Looking at your questions and already regretting recording on the day that Leeds are promoted, welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 378 of Hand of Pod. We haven't been recording uh, week in, week out because there's not been an awful lot to talk about. And also I've been very busy, uh, but we are back now. I'm Sam Kelly and I'm joined through the wonders of modern technology by English Dan. Hello and welcome. Santi. Hi, guys. And Andres. Hello and welcome to Skype. Yes, uh, Andres is is joining us from um, Almagro. I almost forgot which barrio you yeah. lived in then. Which, considering yeah. I lived there for four years as well, this is a bit embarrassing. Uh, Dan is in Villa Crespo, and Santi is, of course, well outside the city in Pilar. <laughs> yeah. Have you even been affected by these extra quarantine measures we've had recently, Santi, or are you outside Amber? No, uh, Pilar is no. Amber, Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the thing is, in fact, I think uh, the the lockdown is much stricter here in the in the, in the province of Buenos Aires rather than the the, the Cava, you know. Yeah, the the city's been um, well. I mean, to us, it's felt about the same, but then we all work from home, so I suppose it would. Uh, anyway, slowly, for the benefit of our listeners, the situation in Argentina is that uh, we're all essentially still on day roughly 117 or 118 now of having to sit at home all day every day um, and we're slowly 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 going to be able to go back out into the world again over the next couple of weeks hopefully as long as case numbers don't explode uh, beyond control um, the reason that we're recording this week is of course not to celebrate um, Leeds United getting promoted to the top flight of the English Premier League because uh you're not United happy about fan. that, Sam? Yes, I am. That's exactly oh, well, what I'm saying. I'm sure. Um, it's, it's not for that, but it is because over the last uh, four or five days, there have been a few announcements which are pertinent to our normal role as a domestic Argentine football podcast. And these three fine gentlemen are going to be kind of explaining them to me as well as to you lot, because I've been really busy with non-football work over the last few weeks and not able to follow anything beyond the main headlines. But the main headlines, um, such as they are, are that Conmebol have announced a date for the restart of the Copa Libertadores and the Copa Sudamericana. I believe that they've also announced uh, a rough uh, end date for those, if everything goes to plan, but uh, Dan will fill us on in, in on that in a minute. And this has caused a little bit of a scramble uh, with the Argentine domestic um, situation, because Argentina is one of only two countries in South America. Uh, actually, I, I don't know about Suriname and, and Guyana. So let's say it's one of only two <laughs> Conmebol countries in South America, uh, which is not currently playing any form of domestic football. Um, so to begin, I've actually got a running order for the first time ever. Dan is going to fill us in on the things continent wide 
Uh, Santi is then going to step in and, and fill us in on roughly the the domestic reaction from the AFA, and then Andres is going to say a little bit about the reaction of the individual clubs. Um, so first of all, why have Conmebol taken this decision now? Uh, what's the Libertadores going to look like? And is it going to end this year? Hello, Sam. Um, from what I have been able to glean, um, I'd correct you very slightly. It's not that all of the, um, you know, eight out of ten countries are already playing. Uh, it's that there are plans afoot to get playing again. Uh, actually, right. today yeah. was supposed to be uh, the start of the Paraguayan League, the restart, but they had to push it back. There was a mini kind of intensifying of coronavirus today in Paraguay. I think they have 50-odd cases, which we can only dream about, to be honest, would be dancing naked uh, on our respective um, terraces, if that was the case. But that's a lot for Paraguay. So their league, which was supposed to start today with a couple of games, has been uh, once more postponed. Similar thing has happened in Ecuador, uh, which has been very much uh, affected by uh, by the virus. Um, they were aiming to get it going, I believe, um, this weekend. That's not going to happen. Now the new provisional date is the 29th of July. Uh, Uruguay, which, like its Y brothers, brothers in Paraguay, has um, been relatively... Uh, sparsely hit by by the virus, they're looking to get it get their league going on these. What would it be? It's the eighth and ninth of August. Which what would that be? The second weekend of August. Yeah, sounds about right in my head. Uh, Brazil has started and it hasn't. Uh, the Rio State Championship, the Carioca Championship, um, has now finished. Um, Flamengo winning yet another trophy, uh, as if they didn't have all, enough already. Um, so they were able to begin roughly the middle of June, actually. They, they managed to get started under certain protests. There were a lot of clubs which, of course, weren't very happy with it because uh, Brazil was an absolute basket case uh, health-wise. <laughs> but the Paulista Championship, to name the other, you know, the other big state competition in in Brazil has yet to begin. I know uh, in I think it was the start of June, Corinthians, you know, obviously a very big Paulista team, um, announced something like 20 cases inside their ranks between staff players, and so that didn't kick off simultaneously with the Carioca. That will begin midweek. Uh, so the 22nd, 23rd of July, uh, Bolivia was the only country other than Argentina to vote against the Copa Libertadores resuming, um, which probably tells you in everything you need to know about uh, what state their football's in at the moment. Um, I don't believe they're even kind of considering a return similar to Argentina, at least it, that was the case before uh, Comunidad jumped out with this new Copa Libertadores, Libertadores timetable. I realised that Sam's original question was, 
when will the Libertadores finish? I'll really did go <laughs> off on a tangent, albeit an informative one. Uh, so let's swing that round and say Comnebol uh, have foreseen the competition to restart on uh, the 15th of September. They gave Argentina an extremely generous uh, delay of two days um, <laughs> in order to, you know, get their shit together because obviously in those 48 hours they'll be able to do everything that they could possibly have done beforehand in Commodore's eyes. So, round three of the group stage will now start on the 15th of September. The group stages will run uh, through September and October. Then we'll move on to the last 16, which the first legs are set for the 24th and 25th of November. The second legs, 1st and 2nd of December. The quarterfinals will be played on the 8th and 9th and 15th and 16th of December, respectively. The semi-finals on the 5th and 12th of January. And the final, to finally answer Sam's question, when will... The 2020 uh, Copa Libertadores finish, uh, Comnebol have stated rather enigmatically January 2021. So sometime between the last semi-final and the end of January. Thanks. So do we know where it's finishing? I, I can't remember where they'd announced it for. And I don't know whether ah. they've changed that or not. Because it was going to be back oh. in Santiago, right? I... Honestly, don't have a clue, but mm. that is very possible. Yeah. Well, I mean, with Chile's um, numbers. Chile's numbers? Sorry. God, yeah, I mean, with, with Chile's infection numbers and everything, I would think that if they did want to put it back to Santiago, because obviously it was supposed to be Santiago last year, wasn't it? Uh, and then it got moved to Lima. Um, yes. That that might be problematic. But sorry, Santi, you, you were going to say something. No, the thing is, like, one should expect that by 2021, the situation would be a bit more, you know, like, um, easier to, to host a final like that, I, I, I imagine. I mean, I hope, at the very least. Oh, yeah, we all hope, but I think we have to have some kind of realism as well. I doubt there's going to be a, a there certainly isn't going to be a massively available vac vaccine. South America at the moment is kind of the epicenter of the the whole thing so well, I'm yeah. just wondering it's, whether they have a it, I imagine they do have a contingency plan but as ever with Comitball we're unlikely to find out unless it's actually <laughs> the day before the finals due to be played or something yeah I'd imagine the hope inside uh, Comitball is that similar to what's happened in Europe these these past weeks and months as we get into summer uh, um, and possibly even a lot earlier you know in uh, sub, Southern Hemisphere spring um, it will become less of an issue. Um, plus any kind of advances that, that might happen in the interim. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're um, praying on the sun, I would imagine. Imagine, I, I've not heard, but I imagine that FIFA have called that off or something, haven't they? Um... I lost you for a second there, but from context, I am going to imagine you were talking about the Club World Cup. I did indeed, yeah. I am too good. 
Well done. Um, I haven't heard anything official, but if Comnabora are going to play uh, their final, you know, a month after um, after the Club World Cup, yeah, it's going to be difficult, right? Um, yeah, one would as think so. As far as I can see, yeah, it says um, dates December expected and team seven expected. So <laughs> at the moment, there's there's been no um, no official word on it. I think that's the best way. It's good. I think they they might well have to scrap it because not just you know in, for South America the Copa, but also you know European leagues and and world leagues are going to be really needing that time in December, right? Uh, Actually, wasn't uh, wasn't the Club World Cup um, in its current format um, banished by now? And that uh, was there 2022, was 2022, I think that was going to come in. Yeah, I, I think oh, they were right. going to skip. I think they were going to skip next year's one, and then combine them into 2022 or something. All oh, right. But this this year's was was supposed to take place. We'll see what ends up happening. Obviously. So thanks for that, Dan. Sandy, um, you were gonna. I, I I hope give us something on how this rather abrupt and sudden and seemingly unexpected combable announcement um, resulted in a bit of a mad scramble at the AFA head office, which, as ever, wasn't particularly well prepared for anything. Um, what what was previously planned to happen uh, in Argentine domestic football was basically nothing until the end of 2020. Um, what is now going to be happening in Argentine domestic football? Well, as you can imagine and as you can infer from um, Dan's uh, comments on the, on the decision of Comable to, to move the, 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 the beginning of the restart of the Copa Libertadores to September 15th and the Sudamericana to October 27th, it caught Argentine clubs in, and the AFA quite um, offside, if you, if you, if you might. Um, the thing is... Uh, there was, uh, well, of course, a protocol that was presented by the AFA to the Ministry of Health of um, uh, of the well, of the national government. That was, um, well, what it was detailed that the club clubs in Argentina would go back to training in mid-August. If, um, well, of course, everything remains the same as of now. I don't know if that's uh, still gonna gonna be the plan if the um, contagions rise as they currently are. If the cases keep rising as they are currently rising right now, but with the um, right with the news of the well of the Copa Libertadores resuming on uh, September the fifteenth, that would mean that um, Argentine, Argentine clubs would not only uh, begin playing the Copa Libertadores with no news of uh, of. Uh, any sort of local activity uh, being played as of then, in well, in, especially if you compare Brazil, which already held most of its um, regional uh, state championships, like uh, Dan has already mentioned. But um, yeah, I mean, Argentine clubs were not happy at all. Well, of course, uh, I think Andres will detail um, a bit more on that, but. Um, there were some uh, complaints by several clubs uh, individually. Uh, first, the first of them was uh, Defensa Justicia. Then uh, Tigre and Boca also joined in to to complain about this uh, this sudden decision. And uh, the Ministry of Health of uh, of the Argentine government, Ginejo uh, González García, actually came out and said that um, 
they confirmed the, the, the original protocol that they tried to um, make, uh, the, make the clubs uh, try to go back to training in mid-August, but also uh, wait on the, on the, deci on the comparable decision and said that it was an arbitrary date. And uh, they, maybe maybe they they may have thought maybe they may have thought that this was um, the, the situation. Of course, in that decision was different um, while well being quite unprepared in this case. And uh, the thing is um, that within this context, um, there have been some cases of uh, football clubs getting into training despite lockdown rules. There was the the very notorious case of uh, Deportivo Riestra. I think a month ago, which who who actually were training in their own stadium, apparently unbeknownst to the president of the of the club, which is to me is laughable, honestly. <laughs> I, which, I think uh, Andres is going to talk more about the individual clubs, but have we got anything, Santi, on on whether there is an Argentine championship of some sort planned for the rest of this year? Because um, I've seen some talk about some absolutely mad sounding formats, even by AFA standards of loads and loads of groups of four teams all going into semi-final groups followed by a final or something so they can get something or other done. Uh, is, is that anything official or are these just rumours or what? Well, uh, at the moment, uh, these are rumours. Um, there's There's not been an official word from the neither the AFA nor the, the professional league as it that's the Super League is dead and the professional league has risen from the ashes, as we already know. But um, there's this rumor about uh, some, some kind of tournament which uh, will be comprised of uh, six groups of four teams each, um, where the, I think the, the top two teams will qualify to a final, uh, to a second round divided in two groups of six teams each. Um, of which uh, the winner, the winner of each group, will qualify to a final. I think this this tournament kind of uh, calls back to the to the old uh, second the second transition tournament in 2016, which ended with uh, Lanús winning winning the title in the final, uh, thrashing mm. Pablo Guedes San Lorenzo. But uh, anyway, this I don't know how exactly how would this uh, tournament be contested if it's going to last for for only the first uh, the last six months of of 2020, that is the plan, or um, it will run all year long from September to probably March, April, May, as uh, the the last Superliga was was running. I am not sure exactly what are the dates, basically because, of course, it is not official yet. Uh, the thing is that this format wasn't the only format that was talked about. There was also the the possibility of. Instead of being six groups of four teams each, there are going to be four groups of six teams each. To be honest, I don't know which idea is crazier, but it does not look at all like uh, like a regular league championship. It it looks something more akin to what uh, the MLS is doing uh, at the moment with it, which with its uh, Orlando tournament. But uh, I don't know how it's going to be played. I don't know if um, in travel. Uh, from uh, different provinces is going to be allowed by the time uh, this tournament begins, which is going to is going to make the the prospect of um, rising cases much more daunting. I think is if it's if it's played as scheduled maybe in September October, I don't think it's going to be the case. But um, I think yeah, it's it's pretty hard to imagine um, a national tournament returning anytime soon, especially if this is going to be the format. 
and uh, with yeah, the... I think it's worth. Um, sorry, Sandy. I think it's worth uh, just mentioning for listeners that if something does happen, and obviously if there's one football association in the world who are capable of coming up with some bizarre mm-hmm. format that will fit the time period that they've got, then it's the AFA because they've had plenty of practice over the last few years. Uh, but if it does happen, then there won't be any relegations anyway. So come what may, whenever the next full season does begin, it is going to have 24 teams because even if they do play some kind of championship now, uh, nobody's going to be relegated at the end of the season. Um, and I think it's only one, possibly one Copa Libertadores and one Copa Sudamericana spot for next year or something that are currently up for grabs. The others are all taken anyway. So I, I suppose if they didn't, uh, decide to carry on playing, then it wouldn't be the end of the world. Except, of course, that the Argentine clubs based in uh, who are playing in in the continental competitions would be at something of a disadvantage because they wouldn't be getting as much practice. Um, but well, thanks yeah. for that, Santi. Uh, Andres, you were going to tell us yes. a bit more about the how the individual clubs are, are dealing with this beyond just the AFA boardroom. Um, as Santi mentioned with Deportivo Riestra, I don't think they're the only ones, right? Some some clubs have been training behind closed doors without really wanting anybody to know about it, even though they're not allowed to. And uh, various others have been a little more vocal than than others. Yes, but I don't think there there were a lot of clubs, or at least uh, the Riestra, the one that Santi mentioned, who did something crazy about it. Um, we have the, these eight players of Racing who went were already in Rosario, where uh, they are in phase five of the quarantine, which means that they can train. I think with at least uh, ten players, not more than ten. Uh, so they, they were training, and there was a, like the doubt of whether it was okay or not, uh, because of course uh, Afa would or uh, or Chiquitapia would make like a statement allowing players to to or, or clubs to train, like it is said it will be in August, but. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it still it wasn't that decision, so it was like the, this polemic between with Racing players. I think it was Ivan Pichud and, and seven other players. They are training in Rosario as well as as Newell's and Central schools because of course they were there in Rosario where they are permitted to 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 do these training sessions with the protocols with the, of course the the, the measures. Uh, being, being uh, of course, uh, trying to be careful with uh, the, the, the masks and, the, and those stuff. Um, but a bit about the clubs, before uh, this Cormebol statement uh, saying that the, the Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana will remain in September and, and October, they weren't in a hurry. Uh, they were like waiting or, or expecting, uh, not doing anything. Uh, but since this Cormebol statement was made, uh, they were yes, they were in a hurry, and they were trying, trying to uh, the health of uh, the sports ministry ministry to allow them, or at least to 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 hurry hurry up with the protocols, and 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 well, uh, as a result, they now will be able uh, at, uh, apparently in, in in August uh, to to train in groups of six players, I think, uh, in different. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, positions, not to train in the same positions at the same time. It will be, I think, really, uh, uh, really uh, difficult to, 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 to do that well. At, at least it will be like that. Yeah. Um, can you just, 
what what were Racing's players doing in Rosario? Did they go to Rosario because they were allowed to train there? No, no, they, they were already there. Uh, there were players that I think in the middle of the quarantine, they went there uh, to Rosario because there are players that live there. Uh, in fact, I think Ivan Pichud has, uh, uh, he owns a, a, a club with, with pitches, with, with, with uh, uh, some uh, fields there. And, and uh, I think most of the players of Racing went there. That's correct. Um, they're players that are from either Rosario or from Santa Fe. So obviously they've spent uh, yes. lockdown with their families in around Santa Fe province. And since the rules there are a little bit more, um, more flexible than in Buenos Aires, I believe if I remember correctly, um, the protocol says you can train, but only, you know, respecting distance, not with a ball and only kind of on, a, on an individual basis. So if these eight players did train, uh, obviously they did, um, they had to do it, you know, um, as if they were all individuals uh, doing drills uh, separate from each other. And it was on, on, a, uh, on a complex of pitches owned by the great Pichud. Uh, that is correct. Yeah, yes. Um... Yes, of course, and, and there weren't uh, any any staff members like Becachese or, or Saba, so it wasn't a training, official training sessions. It was like them going there because they were already there, and, and, and Rosario is quite more relaxed than, than Cava or, or, or the metropolitan area. So uh, there were people complaining or, or, well, trying to install some polemic because of, of that, uh, but I don't think it's, it's wrong or it's bad because, of course, they were there. It's like the case of, for example, Juan Cruz, uh, who wanted to tra to start training because in Mendoza there was a, a similar situation to Rosario, and, and they weren't allowed. Uh, it's different different from Riestra, who are here in Buenos Aires, and they they it's like they went went uh, went there and and, tra and trained uh, like in a, a hidden, like a not a, trying not to be seen. Uh, it's different from the racing players, uh, but uh, the, the reaction for, from the teams before, or, or I, I mean, uh, Cormibol's statement is what, what changed the, 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 the rules and, and made players and, and, and directors and uh, teams to, to be more in a rush to, to, to start training. The, the crazy thing is that they will be allowed to train in August when apparently this relax, relax this softening of the of the, of the quarantine finishes because it will be uh, here in Buenos Aires, the, the, the quarantine will be uh, relaxed between the 20th of July to the 2 of August. Uh, so it is a bit like tricky. So I don't know how it will be, but uh, uh, one month ago it was there was an interview that Gallardo gave to uh, a radio and, and he complained about the laziness and, and of the directors and even he said that he complained to, to Rodolfo Donofrio because not because he wanted to train at that very moment but because there was no measures no protocols uh, or I mean nothing uh, but apparently there were there was a protocol but they were waiting for the Ministry of Health to to give the sign or, or, or to say well okay you can now uh, go and train uh, with that protocol uh, because, of course, release a protocol, but not having a clue about when you will be, be able to train is, like, useless, I think. Yeah. 
uh, Santi, just to take it back to you for a second, I know that you specifically requested that we don't talk about Independiente, um, <laughs> but given that, that Dan and Andres have filled us in on Racing and River between them, I think it's only fair that we do ask uh, what, what has been going on with Independiente. Are they still open? Are they still... I thought they've, you know, they've just given up and, and shut everything down. It is a file sale, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> um, re- remember when I said, like, back in February, March, that um, there was uh, no way this could be... This could become any worse. The situation um, couldn't become any worse for Independiente at the moment. I do remember that, yeah. Well... Has it? <laughs> Bloody hell, has it? Uh, well, so I, I'll give some. Uh, I'll give some context for it. Um, well, back in uh, March, Independiente were as as we've already told you, even in an extra, um, in some uh, very very serious economic problems because um, there were there, there were mounting debts with several Independiente players, uh, present and past. Uh, for example, there was uh, this. Um, the legal dispute with uh, Pumas for the um, well for the acquirement of uh, Gaston Silva back in 2017, and uh, these debts have increased a lot. There's, for example, um, some um, some amount, about seven hundred thousand dollars in the Pente to River for Alexander Rabosa. There's four million dollars in that in O2 uh, America de Mexico for um, Cecilio Dominguez. And now uh, Gonzalo Verón uh, has suddenly appeared with a debt of about $6 million for his transfer as well. Um, I think that also there was there are several players uh, who, uh, of whom their former clubs um, are requesting Independiente to pay some fees that haven't been paid yet. And now this conflict has escalated with the players as well, who um, actually informed the club back in March um, just when the, the coronavirus crisis was uh, beginning, in a way, when the lock, lockdown was uh, starting to be enforced, that they haven't they hadn't been paid since November, which is um, a case. Sorry, 2010. Ah, um, yes. I'm sorry. So, sorry, uh, Santa. Yeah, sorry. That's me and Dan talking to each other in the Skype chat. Ah, uh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Got got carried away. <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 I thought I had said something like really crazy. So anyway, uh, back back into this. So the the players have um, complained to the to the club to the to the to the board that they haven't been paid since November 2019, which is honestly shocking. And um, now we're in July, and uh, even though some of the players have been um, have been paid their their dues uh, from November, December, January, and February as well. Um, many of them are beginning to um, actually consider themselves free to free to move because of the the breach of contract. One of the one of the first cases was of course uh, Gaston Silva, who is now uh, free to move anywhere. Uh, actually, Independiente went to court um, with this measure, and uh, the result is. Well, it has not yet been in, cleared yet, but as of now, Silva can move anywhere he wants without uh, compensation. Cecilio Dominguez has recently been um, also declared free to move as well. And uh, the, the club captain and the top scorer of the last Superliga and uh, basically Independiente star player by far, Silvio Romero, is also uh, rumored to, to move um, 
not maybe not not exactly free, but he's been uh, very vocal about the fact that um, ever, ever since his arrival in, in January 2018, the board has never paid him in time, which is I don't know I don't know how to I don't know what to think about this. Honestly, I mean I I've said everything I have to say about this, uh, but. Uh, Actually, when I said in the bin they were in a fire cell, I wasn't kidding. Now, Silvio Romero is rumored to move to River Plate after uh, a fee from Atletico Mineiro was uh, rejected because, well, eventually he at the club went with several other choices. Uh, Martin Campaña is also expected to leave. Um, Juan Sanchez Mino is um, of interest in Boca Juniors uh, for a return to to La Rivera, which well, we, would be extremely, extremely damaging for Independiente. Leandro Fernandez uh, also left on a free. And um, there's the, the only signings Independiente are actually rumored to, to come, to, to make, to come to Independiente, is a 21-year-old defender from Camioneros, um, whom Luca Pusineri had never heard of before the transfer was completed. So you, <laughs> so you can actually get an idea of how dire the the situation of in both on and off the pitch is for independiente to the point where i honestly don't know what the starting lineup is going to look like whenever football returns yeah when it does finally return i think we're going to need quite a long podcast to go through all of the news from all of the various different clubs uh and explain what the hell's been going on because there has been as i hope our listeners are, are appreciating now uh there have been a multiplicity of different uh, reactions from club to club to this crisis. Uh, we were hoping here as well now to have Tony on for a little bit to tell us um, about the situation regarding women's football in Argentina and how much of a, a pain in the ass it's been that all of this has happened and the season's been disrupted um, in precisely what was, of course, Argentine football's uh, first ever professional season for women in Argentina. Um, unfortunately, Tony's internet is in such a state at the moment that he's been unable to join us on the call, but we will be getting uh, onto that subject uh, in a later podcast before too much longer when he is able to record. For now, we're going to take a halftime break, and when we come back, we will be going through some of your listeners' questions, and Dan is going to be filling us in on the story that uh, we just confused Santi um, by talking about in the in the Skype chat. So you will uh, get to understand what that brief interruption was about um for now don't go away we'll be back right after this music Welcome back. Before we get on to listeners' questions, of which we have had lots, and I've just realised I've left my phone in the other room, so I'm going to have to get them up on my computer browser. Uh, while I'm doing that, English Dan is going to take us through uh, the situation regarding the 2010 Recopa Sudamericana. Uh, this is still episode 378 of Hand of Pod. Don't worry, we haven't gone 10 years back in time. Um, but uh, Dan's about to explain why this is current affairs in our terms. Yes, I bring this up because it has just been uh, revealed that Comnebol has turned down Estudiantes' 
um, request to give them the 2010 Recopa Trophy. Um, why? You might very well just justifiably ask. Because um, a couple of months ago, or I think at the start of June, a few Argentine news outlets um, reproduced the story of uh, one of Liga de Quito, the winner of that competition's, um, one of their players, uh, a guy who um, was on the bench, I think, for both games, and he came on in the first leg, uh, called... Gonzalo Chila. Um, uh, right. But that wasn't actually his name. It turned out, and this um, first came out, I think, just after that game, um, towards the end of 2010, that the player who claimed he was called Gonzalo Chila was actually called Angel Cheme. Uh, <laughs> He, he was a youngster at that time. I think he was only if I, uh, 19, if I'm doing my, my sums right. Um, he'd just come through... Um, no, that's not right. Wait a minute. Yeah, no, uh, it is. Uh, I, no, I'm having a look at his Wikipedia. 29. He was... Uh, in 2010, he'd have been... 29. Yes, you're quite right. Yeah, 29. Sorry, I forgot um, to carry the one there. I was getting confused. Whereas Gonzalo Chila at the time would have been 26. If Gonzalo, he existed. Yeah. <laughs> Gonzalo Chila was apparently an evangelical pastor uh, who was born in the same town as uh, Angel Chime, but mm-hmm. um, then went off to, um, to preach in Guayaquil. Um, for reasons that aren't entirely clear, Angel Chime played his entire uh, professional career up to that point uh, under the name of Gonzalo Chila. No way. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Um, <laughs> absolutely. True. And it even gets a bit dark because um, El Universo, one of the biggest um, uh, newspapers in Ecuador, uh, they put one of their journalists on the case. He started um, investigating. And in December of 2010, uh, he was he was kidnapped uh, in Quito, um, kidnapped for almost seven hours, uh, beaten and um, threatened um, and received death threats. And yeah, and then this all came out all came out that uh, Liga de Quito had had a player who, um, who had been playing under a false identity for years, uh, and I think they only ultimately learned the truth when he had to it might have even been for, um, for the second leg of that Recopa in La Plata when he had to uh, fly to Argentina and it emerged that yeah he couldn't because obviously when you're part of a club who travels you have to give in your passports and and all that business and it quickly became apparent that, that he wasn't who, who you said he was um, wow yeah, uh, so if Duliantis only got whiff of this story a, a month ago and made what is, you know, to be honest, a fairly cheeky attempt to have both games uh, given to them on the basis that, uh, that from August onwards, 
Liga Quito were well aware of um, of this anomaly, uh, you know, and since it is a breach of the rules to, you know, to improperly register a player for for a common ball game or or whatever. Um, but yes, they have they have been unsuccessful, and they will not be the uh, the winners of the 2010 Recopa. Estudiantes well, will not be. Estudiantes will not be, no. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it, it seems to have been. I'm sure there are a few people who are asking why he did this. Um, I've just been having a quick look at a few things while Dan's been talking. It seems to have been because, as we mentioned, Gonzalo Chile's three years younger than Angel Cheme, uh, that taking on Chile's identity allowed Cheme to continue playing in um, underage uh, competitions three years uh, longer than he was and obviously when you're three years older than most of the other kids on the team you're going to end up looking a lot better than them a lot of the time um unless you're you know like me or dan and not a very good footballer um but yeah that's that's fascinating and very silly indeed so thank you for filling us in Dan. and it seems just one other fact seems to be he uh Chimmy claims that he always you know uh he did this with the consent of of the real gonzalo chile and but then ultimately it came out because Chile decided uh, that he wasn't going to stand for it anymore. Went down to Liga de Quito and tried to get a cut of his wages or or a transfer fee. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, that's your. Uh, if anyone's you know getting withdrawal symptoms from very silly, very weird South American news stories, I uh, hope that keeps you going for a little bit more. Yeah, that is a corker. Thank you very much for it. Um, we shall move on to Lister's questions. Um, David Novashevsky gets us started. He tweets in, uh, sweet, I think he's referring to the fact that we're back there. Uh, tell me about my boy Gaich. Has he left for Russia? I can't tell. Um, I saw something about this a couple of days ago. Adolfo Gaich, after one of the most drawn out transfer sagas I can remember involving an Argentine club in the last few years, uh, he has definitely been sold now, right? Yeah, yeah, apparently, uh, yeah, apparently the the transfer has been completed. Uh, we are awaiting, of course, confirmation. But yeah, I mean, the uh, at at a point in time he was going to Bruges, and then well, that fell off. Then CSK came in, that fell off again. Bruges came, uh, Bruges came calling again, and now seems he's finally leaving for CSK Moscow. Right, that was going to be the next question. I thought it was Zenit for some reason, but it is definitely CSK. Excellent. So, next up, uh, from Lee Bartlett. Do you think Bielsa will stay at Leeds now that the job is done? He doesn't speak the language. Is a return to Argentina a possibility? We wish. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, with, um, with Bielsa, it's always up in the air because we all know he's a guy who likes things done a certain way, i.e. his way. Um, he has absolutely no qualms about walking away from a job if he feels that uh, that things are being are being done incorrectly or if he isn't receiving the players he asked or if um, if he doesn't feel like he's being supported so this is something um, I think will be at the back of a lot of Leeds fans mind you know amid all the euphoria I'm sure they're they're feeling now uh, for a little bit of context and let in case anyone hasn't heard, they got promoted a couple of hours ago. Yeah, there's no um, need to remind us of that, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. 
But I would say well, um, the language, I don't think, um, is an issue if it hasn't been for the last two years. And I couldn't uh, feasibly see a return to Argentina right now. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> For sure. No, as as you say, he's um, a principled man who doesn't like to stay at clubs if he doesn't think think things are being done the right way, and I think that's why he's not been at Argentina for in Argentina for a very long time now. Um, Lee also asks, will there be any promotion from the Nacional for San Martín de Tucumán and Atlanta? The answer there is uh, maybe, but only if uh, those two clubs win a playoff. Uh, yeah. As far as I can gather, I mean, the, the second division uh, hasn't been confirmed at all. But from what I can gather, the rest of the year, they won't be uh, resuming the league. Um, but there will be a playoff competition to decide the identity of the two teams that go up. So it will. Is, is won't that be... in just in the Nacional or is that in all of the lower divisions? I couldn't tell you honestly i think yes i think all the the lower divisions have been finalized um, i see how they'll decide promotions um for each league i couldn't possibly tell you what i will say is san martin tucuman and atlanta who were the leaders of their respective zones going into um the interruption uh they won't be promoted automatically um, on the back of those positions, they will have to earn their places via players. Uh-huh. So, yeah. as I said earlier, the, the, uh, whenever the next full season of the top flight does begin, it's going to have 24 teams in it. It might have 26 if these two actually do manage to, to win uh, their place because no one's going to be relegated, but there might be two teams promoted into it. Santi, sorry, what were you going to say? No, yeah, uh, that would be well very difficult if there's going to be 26 teams to to think of a, of a tournament in the in the formats that I had spoken about uh, recently because I mean it is much more difficult to organize a, a, a tournament which uh, with 26 teams than 24 in terms of like uh, setting up the group stage and and so on and so forth. So um, it, I, I don't I don't know if it's if there's going to be relegations. I remember like uh, the the authorities tra- clarifying that they wanted the relegations to be decided on the pitch. But um, I mean, the, in that case, the the whole format of the next tournament is really up in the air. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tom Sam, Robinson. Also, oh, sorry. Yes. Now, also uh, as a result, I think of uh, the finalization of this of the tournaments, of especially the Primera Nacional. Uh, I think San Martín de Tucumán, and I don't know whether uh, there are other teams that decided the same. Uh, they, they, all of the players of the of the squad have, have gone free. I think, uh, or, or they they aren't there anymore. I think. Uh, so they they will have to build a, a whole new team, if I am not wrong. Wow. But yeah, that, yeah, that's quite a pickle they put themselves in if if that turns out to be the case. Yes, uh, I, I heard it from them, from San Martín Tucumán, and, and I don't remember other teams from lower divisions that also have to release all of their players because, of course, they don't know when they will play, uh, especially if they uh, if AFA has already decided to finish the, the season. So, and of course, the coronavirus and, and all of the decisions taken because of coronavirus made them 
uh, I think they decide that, uh, of course, which is, uh, it's a club with no, no, no players. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and, and if I if I can uh, recall clearly, the there was actually a vote uh, held in the in the FA um, between the, the the teams from the second division to decide whether the the season would be completed in the play format or it was going to be um, declared uh, as finished. And San Martin were literally the only team to to vote um, for the season to be to be finished. Which oh, meant, um, like, they're really, really alone in this situation as well. Tom Robinson says, Are you on board with the Leeds Locura, that's madness, bandwagon sweeping across Argentina? Or does Sam's Man United allegiances counteract this? Um, I mean, obviously, my Man United allegiance very much counteracts that for me personally, but I, I can't speak for the other three who are on this call. Actually, Jens, I, I, I actually wonder why you're so um, sad because, well, because of this uh, of this promotion, because it means actually well, because it involves Leeds gonna... being back in the back in the well, top. Yeah, line. but yeah, <laughs> but uh, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want Racing to be relegated. I mean, I, I want that rivalry to continue. I mean, aren't you happy about that at least? No. You're gonna play your rivals again. You're gonna no, probably beat your rivals again. <laughs> Oh, given their record against us the last few seasons before they went down, I wouldn't necessarily say probably. And that was when we were good. <laughs> but it's it's going to be a lot of fun to see Bielsa in the Premier League, right? Even if I'm not dis- I'm not disputing that. I just wish it was with not quite any literally other any other club, but almost any other club. <laughs> <laughs> no. Obviously, no offence to any of our, our Leeds fan listeners. You know that I'm semi-joking about this. No, I think you can only you know respect what Bielis has done um, with the Leeds team that before he arrived was on the, on the rather low, lower end of mediocre. Uh, he's done it um, in addition, kind of respecting his ideals, let's say, uh, playing really nice football. And, and yeah, you can just see how, how many people from across the world are, are delighted to, to see this promotion, not necessarily for Leeds but just because of the figure of of Bielsa and I think there are, there are very few coaches in in world football who who could ever kind of dream to, to command that kind of admiration right yes indeed well, of course. yeah yeah uh Dan Simone, Australian Dan from Days of Yore uh, decides to have a little bit of fun with this and says if the national team continues to be shite, which I think is a bit harsh on, on the national team, uh, as they were whenever the hell it was they last played towards the end of last year, do you think that most Argentines will switch allegiances to Leeds? Are we even ever going to have international football again? I'm more than doubtful. Yeah. Um, well, well first will be back in October, I think. Sorry. Well, though. How confident are we about that? <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, if it's Conmebol who say it, there's no reason to be confident about it at all. Yes. Yes, of course. Uh, certainly, I think Leeds are, are quite likely to be the most popular team in, in the Premier League next season in Argentina. Um, I, I think that that's fairly safe to say. Obviously, there will be some people who are anti-Bielsa and, and who therefore decide to stick up wherever they're playing, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Lee Bartlett has another. He says, what's the best stunt pulled by a Barra Brava? 
perhaps he's, he's got a bit of an obsession with this since Dan mentioned it a, a while back. Uh, perhaps the Chacarita Barra pinching an elephant and trying to smuggle it in at Los Andes, or maybe the River Barra for the inflatable pig at the Super Classico, which I was at. That's I being Lee in that one, not not me. I'm reading his words. Um, are there any other good ones? Yeah, the, the Chacarita, um, again, the Chacarita Barras, when they were in the first division, actually stealing a hose and throwing it onto the pitch. A hose? A yeah, fire hose, yeah. Oh, a fireman's, oh, I see, right, yeah, yeah. I think it was it against the Estudiantes. The fireman's hands, yeah. Chacarita Estudiantes, yeah, 2009. was it? 10. Yeah, back when they were in the, in the first division, that, that single season. Hmm. And Racing's uh, funeral for Independiente is is always going to be top of my list because that was just so overblown, just so <laughs> unnecessary, but just beautiful in its own way. Did you have to mention that one? Did oh, you? Of course I did, yeah. <laughs> they put so much effort into it. How can I not mention it? It's pretty much the best thing I've ever seen in a football stadium sand. Moving on. <laughs> John Wilson says, I've got a question. Where have you been? Um I'm just going to figuratively spread spread my arms wide and, and indicate everything that's been going on the last few months, John. Um, in a more literal sense, I've I've been very, very, very busy uh, over the last month or two now with, with lots of work. Uh, so we haven't had time to arrange these. But also, there's not really been anything to talk about um, since we last recorded. I know that when we did last record, we said that we'd be trying to do this every couple of weeks. But there's not been an awful lot going on. Uh, until this week, which is why we're back now. Uh, Simon Edwards from Colombia says, what are your thoughts on Matteo Bahamich, Carlos Valenzuela and Nicolas De Martini? Are there any other interesting players in the second tier? I'm going to let one of you guys feel this because I can't remember most of them. <laughs> Valenzuela, I believe, has gone... He's moved now. Yes, Valenzuela. Uh, yes, to Portugal. Yeah. Um, I, I like this kid a lot. He's um, a guy that came through the Racing Academy uh, when he was about 14, 15. He was already playing for, for what would be the under 17s, under 18s, and, and looking fantastic. Uh, he, and inevit inevitably, he got labelled the, uh, the next Lionel Messi. Um, didn't make it in Racing in the end. Uh, he had a few games for the reserves and I remember him playing in one uh, summer pre-season. But there were all sorts of uh, talk, there was all sorts of talk about how his attitude was wrong and after, you know, playing one friendly for the first team, his agent was already on the phone uh, asking for a, for a new contract and he was, he was a real prima donna. So he got kind of farmed out on loan. He, he had a spell at Chicago, if I remember right, Nova Chicago. Didn't really do anything there either. Uh, got released to the third tier, as it was at the time with, uh, with Barracas. And, and there, yeah, he's, he's found his feet. Um, he had a fantastic season uh, last season, where I think he finished, if not Primera B, Metropolitana top scorer, then at least you know, on the podium in the top three. Um, and he also worked his way into the, um, to the Argentina under-23 team. Um, he was a great partner, actually, with the guy we just mentioned, Adolfo Gaich. Uh, those two um, were kind of the front two for a lot of the, the Argentina 
youngsters games and uh, Pan American games and he didn't actually play the um, the Olympic qualifying tournament because I think he got injured beforehand um, but yeah a kid with a lot of promise and it seems like now at least he's got his head screwed on a, li- a little straighter um, and he's a bit more focused on, on actually playing because that's what you need to do oh god sorry got a crying baby here um, but yeah, that's uh, that's Valenzuela. I couldn't tell you a hell of a lot about the other two guys. Andres, Santi, any ideas on Bahamich or De Martini? Um, the only thing I know is that uh, Bahamich is from Instituto and uh, uh, De Martini from Tamberley, but uh, haven't uh, worked and play, so I can't tell you to, uh, any any other thing about that. <clears throat> Yeah, one of the disadvantages that we've mentioned a few times uh, of having so many teams and so many matches in the top flight is that the amount of time that we're able to spend watching the lower divisions is rather curtailed, unfortunately. Um, But thanks for the question, Simon. Sorry that we couldn't give it a a fuller answer. Uh, Perfect Tommy says, how do you think COVID-19 will impact the transfer market for Argentine clubs? Um, My immediate thought is that there oh, are a lot of clubs without players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, lots of clubs are, are losing players whose contracts were up, and lots of clubs who haven't had any income for the last few months because they haven't been playing matches are going to be um, probably finding themselves needing to sell players if they get offers for them from foreign clubs who do have more money. Yeah, I think the short answer, you know, without going into any real kind of market speculation, which isn't really hand of Pod's bag, is that. It's going to be a hell of a lot of player turnover. Um, yeah. Even more than, than regularly, which is a lot. A lot of loan moves, a lot of, you know, as we said, contracts either expiring or, or being rescinded. And a lot of clubs, probably, you know, especially outside of the biggest seven or eight clubs, uh, lining up whenever the season restarts um, with probably eight seven or eight new players in in the starting lineups yeah indeed that wouldn't surprise me uh jamie says welcome back lads you've been missed thank you very much jamie listening to hand again will feel like a welcome step towards some sort of normality cheers jamie thank you very much uh nicholas says has atalanta um center back jose luis palomino ever been talked about in terms of getting a call up for the argentina squad in a position where they lack depth, he must surely be on the radar, given the job he's doing for such an exciting team. Uh, Defence hasn't perhaps been the main headline grabber for Atalanta this season, uh, but I think I, I remember his name being mentioned once or twice in the early part of the season, back when the world was normal. Yes, he yeah, was uh, linked with Boca, I think. Hmm. Yeah, my only memory of him, to be honest, is uh, when he played for San Lorenzo, and and he was pretty shit. So I'm I'm glad that he's uh, got better now. Um, sure, I mean, as you say, Argentina don't have a hell of a lot to play with um, in defence. Uh, so if he carries on playing well, his name's gonna gonna be up for discussion, definitely. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing while we're here and talking about Atalanta, uh, they have, of course, famously so far this season got 110 goals in all competitions and not a single one of them has been scored by an Italian. 
They've got seven Ooh. Italians in their squad and none of them have <laughs> scored a goal for them. Um, Pretty impressive. Dan, Australian Dan is back and says, do you think Bielsa could win the Premier League with a team made up of entirely Rosario-born players? Um, my immediate reaction to that is that it's unlikely, although albeit not impossible, that that team would uh, would comply with foreign player regulations. I suppose you could find enough of them which could be eligible for a UK passport or an EU passport or whatever to make it worthwhile. But um, uh, as, as a mental exercise, do we think he could do it? Uh, if one of those players was was Messi, it would help. <laughs> Certainly would. Yeah, yeah it, he's, he's Messi, it, sorry, it would involve Messi. Bielsa winning a trophy, of course, which, much as I like him, uh, hasn't necessarily always been his strong suit. Andres, you were going to say something. Yes, that I don't think that this Messi will help Leeds uh, win the, the championship, sorry, or, or the Premier League. Uh, of course, having Messi will, will always be great, but uh, uh, the Messi we, we watched the other day, <laughs> I will, I think will, he will difficult, uh, hardly help uh, even Bielsa to, to win the, the Premier League. Hmm. Yeah, he's not having a great time at the moment. Um, and Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says, it's been a while, hope you're all well. Uh, thank you very much indeed for that, Liam. And we obviously all hope that you all listening to this are well as well. Um, How come Liam gets it. a relation well, and Simon Edwards doesn't get a no relation to me? Well, I, I, I <laughs> don't just... know 100% that Simon is no relation to you, Dan. I don't think he is. Um, I actually did a podcast with him the other day on the, uh, on the joys and... And ways of living in, in Buenos Aires, which was pretty fun. But we didn't get along to chatting about mutual relatives. So it's something I can neither confirm nor deny. I do have a big family, though, so I wouldn't rule anything out. There we go, then. If you investigate the family tree and can confirm it one way or the other, I will mention it next time Simon tweets a question. Excellent. Brilliant. Right, that is it for listeners' questions. Uh, I was about to then, out of habit, go on to Mystic Salmon. Uh, yeah, that wasn't going to work, was it? It's not going to be very interesting. Uh, there are no matches for the foreseeable future. Um, just a reminder that we are supported, and we're, we're still being supported throughout this uh, this break, by our very generous and lovely and wonderful Patreon um, supporters. Uh, you can become one of them by going to Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash hand of pod. I think that's Andres' keyboard that you can hear there as he uh, clicks away and goes to that website to sign up and give us all his own money. Um, and uh, doing so will allow you to get a few little bits of extra material each month. It's It's not been very much extra material over lockdown, but I have been trying to put up at least one thing each month. Um, I've been honing my video editing skills and creating uh, a Buenos Aires historical view flyover of uh, Boca River and San Lorenzo's stadiums um, with some old and some current views of what they looked like. Um, I have created videos on how to pour the perfect fernet and how to make a mate. You can get all of this by heading over to Patreon <laughs> and signing up. It's, it's exclusive content for you and I'll be doing more. And we are of course about to record um, a Handapod extra audio episode as well. Um, Andres has just prompted me uh, in the in the Skype chat, him typing. Uh, we're not mentioning Fanatis at the moment. That's not because they're not sponsoring us. It's just because there's, there's no Argentine football to watch. Uh, so um, don't bother going and redeeming your Fanatis code 
uh, at the moment because you won't be able to get very much with it. But hopefully when football returns, their sponsorship of the podcast will return. I do need to get in touch with them about it. Um, for now, thank you very much indeed to everybody for listening. Uh, and goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. From English Dan. Goodbye. From Santi. Bye, guys. Hope you haven't been uh, tedious, have been tediated by this uh, Skype conversation and, this, and the problems that arise with it. Yes, uh, that, that's a good prompt as well to remind me to just apologise quickly to everybody. Uh, obviously, we're aware that the audio quality isn't quite what it normally is when we record in person. Um, but, well, I'm sure you can all understand that. It'll be a, a long time before we're able to do that again, I suspect. Uh, and for now, thanks and goodbye from me. Goodbye.